Star Wars 7x7 episode 2757. The Gathering Storm is chapter 4 in the Book of Boba Fett. And this episode really does leave you with a lot more questions and answers. And not necessarily in the cliffhangery way. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So with The Gathering Storm, Chapter 4 in the Book of Boba Fett, we are once again spending more of our time in the past than we are in the present, similar to what we had with Episode 2 in the series. And we'll start off with talking about one of the major elements of this flashback, which is the fact that we have an unexpected time jump. So from the point at which we saw Boba Fett grieving over the death of his adopted Tusken Raider family in the previous chapter, we are now years ahead with the events of chapter five of The Mandalorian and following up on those moments where Boba Fett actually finds the near-dead body of Fennec Shand on the sands of Tatooine. And so the majority of this episode really is a bridge builder between the end of chapter 5 of The Mandalorian and, while including elements of, say, chapters 9 and 10, the <laughs> end of the bridge is chapter 14 of The Mandalorian where we see Boba Fett restored to his glory and learn that Fennec Shand has survived the events of season 1. And as a side benefit of this, we get a peek into mod culture. So apparently this is a whole subculture thing with younger generation folks getting cybernetic implants. And there are parlors for this. Like there's one on the outskirts of Moss Eisley and that's how Fennec gets fixed up. And so now he has an ally to help him get his ship back from Jabba the Hutt's palace, which he can't do by himself because there's always too many guards around. And you know, the thing about it is, is that Fennec agrees to do this, but says, if I do this, my debt's going to be paid. And yes, later on, she's like, yeah, I'll keep coming along for the ride. But in chapter 14 of The Mandalorian, the impression she gives is that she's actually kind of life debt level committed to Boba Fett. So it makes you wonder what's happened between the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the acquisition of his ship and the events of The Mandalorian that has kind of made her double down on that commitment to Boba Fett. So maybe there's something to come in that regard. We will see. For now, though, he has two particular scores to settle. Well, I mean, maybe one, maybe the other one really isn't a score to settle, but kind of ends up working out like that. So the one that's definite is obviously the Kinton Striders, the Nikto biker gang, who he utterly obliterates <laughs> to an approving nod from Fennec Shand. And then he heads back to the Sarlacc pit to see if he can find his armor because he doesn't remember being beat up by the jaw was and having it taken from him. So he goes hunting at the Sarlacc pit and you know I gotta say I was pretty sure that I remember reading I think it might have been in the aftermath novels that the Sarlacc had been killed by all of the wreckage that fell into it from the destruction of Jabba's sail barge but apparently that's not the case because it is alive and kicking and it made for a great jump scare moment. 
And if you're going to use the seismic charges in any particular situation, you know, that's a particular thing you don't want to overuse in Star Wars, I think. That's one where it kind of has to be a special situation, at least, you know, for fans watching it and whatnot. You don't want to overuse that particular one, but I think it was particularly well-placed in the actual final for sure death of the Sarlacc. And so Boba Fett finds out what we already knew, which is that the armor isn't there. And so now he's going to have to be puzzled about it and search for it. But it's probably not going to take him too long to search for that because, you know, we're pretty close to the events of season two of The Mandalorian at this point. And then we're jumping ahead because we have Boba in the Bactopod again. So yes, the Bactopod serving as the flashback device. And we hear that Boba Fett is now completely healed. What that actually means and how it will affect his ability to fight in the coming episodes, we will also have to see. But the fact that you know, he was not necessarily completely healed at that point. Well, I guess it sort of also raises the question of what that completely healed means because he was in the Bactopod a lot before Black Crescent never got his paws on Boba Fett. So maybe he's completely healed from the fight with Black Crescent. Maybe it has to do with just the injuries that he racked up over the years from you know, being out in the desert and from untreated things related to the Sarlacc. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe that's something that we are not meant to think too deeply about. And so the present day stuff focuses on really just a couple of very quick things. First of all, establishing that Boba Fett is completely healed. So we'll see what happens with that. Then his hiring of Black Chrysanthemum, which happens with a very amusing scene at Garza Whip's sanctuary where she tries to talk him down from a beatdown of Trandoshans and he doesn't take the bait and ends up ripping a Trandoshans arm off and <laughs> paying for his bar tab instead of letting Garza Whip wipe the slate clean as long as he doesn't disarm the Trandoshan. So that was well played and interesting, especially considering the fact that Trandoshans and Wookiees definitely don't have the best of relationships as species since, you know, the Trandoshans hunted Wookiees for sport and for <laughs> enslavement. Yeah, but the fact that uh, Black Crescent also doesn't have a particular grudge against Boba Fett is kind of surprising too, especially when you know that Boba Fett also was walking around at one point with strands of Wookiee hair on his armor. It doesn't seem like he has that now, so it's certainly not the red flag that it might have been. But I think back to the you know, self-talk that Boba Fett had going on in his head in the short story and from a certain point of view from A New Hope, where he's looking at Chewbacca and he's just super angry and aggressive as he's thinking about him and saying like yeah try something see these you know hairs on my on my armor see these pelts like yeah I'll make you one of them and how he set Chewbacca on fire during the events of War of the Bounty Hunters too like yeah it seems like Boba Fett over the years has maybe softened a little bit toward Wookiees as a species as well. So Boba hires Black Crescent for additional muscle, which he's gonna need because the dinner party situation happened as we talked about last week and Boba made his appeal. It was essentially the same thing that we were talking about last week, saying, hey, if we band together, we can kick these pikes off the planet and everything's gonna be great, but it does not go the way Boba Fett hoped it would because none of them are willing to support him, but they say that they are willing to be neutral in the situation and just, you know, not get in the way of Boba Fett. 
But in his conversation with Fennec Shand afterward, he says that he expects them to act in their own self-interest and that they ought to know that they're going to get a better deal from him than they would from the Pikes. And so I think he's actually expecting them to come around to his side and actually fight for him in the final analysis of things. But obviously they can't rely on that. And a couple of Gamorians and a couple of mods and Black Crescenton are not gonna be enough to fight off all these Pike folks. So Fennec Shand proposes hiring some additional muscle because apparently they've got a bunch of treasure in Jabba's palace. How convenient. And who are they gonna hire for additional muscle? Well, there had been rumors kicking around and I'm not going to dig into those, but I'll simply say that there had been rumors of a lot of familiar bounty hunter faces appearing in the Book of Boba Fett. And certainly Blacker Satin has turned out to be one of those, although you know not necessarily familiar unless you read the comics. So when we talk familiar, we talk you know characters that are say movie familiar, but of course, the hit you over the head with a hammer one that they're implying is Din Djarin, the Mandalorian himself, by including Ludwig Göransson's iconic musical cue at the end of the episode. So wouldn't that be something if the Mandalorian shows up in the back half of this series, this season, and maybe we even get a little glimpse into what's been going on in his world after the events of season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where they might just let him say, oh yeah, I've been doing X, Y, and Z in a brief conversation before he catches up on what's going on on Tatooine. But I have to say, I think at this point, we are pretty much done with jumping back to the past. The fact that the droids in the Bactopod chamber say that Boba Fett is completely healed suggests that he doesn't have any particular need to go back into the pod, which means that we don't have any particular need to have flashbacks anymore. And we've pretty much found out everything that we needed to know, at least in theory, <laughs> about Boba Fett's past, about how he survived from the Sarlacc, about how he was nursed back to help by the Tusken Raiders, about the you know, tragic death of those Tusken Raiders, and presumably this is actually going to come back still somewhere in these last episodes. There will be some sort of callback to this if you know storytelling happens the way you would generally expect it to. And we see how Fennec Shand was rescued. We see how Boba Fett got his ship back. We already know how he got his armor back. So at this point, what else is there left to tell from the history side of things? I think from the showrunner's perspective, very little comparatively, unless it's gonna be some flashback realization when Boba Fett finally faces down the Pike leader and realizes that it wasn't the Kinton Striders, that you know the Pikes were behind the destruction of the Tusken Raider enclave in which he had found himself. And so yeah, that will probably still come to pass. So there you go, those are the main highlights of The Gathering Storm and the deeper insights behind some of those big events happening in the episode. And yes, we will get to the questions. I know I did kind of tease that at the beginning and now I guess I'm <laughs> leaving a cliffhanger because tomorrow's episode will be about a lot of questions about this particular episode and what it's raising about the series in general. But for now, that is going to do it for today's podcast. And it just remains for me to say, thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be
7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.